Hello and welcome. Uh, thank you very much for joining us and welcome to this podcast by the Royal College of Anesthetists. It's uh, Dr. Rana Hafizur Rahman. I am a consultant anesthetist and intensivist at Thameside Hospital in Manchester. And I happen to be MTI lead stroke deputy Bernard Johnson advisor for overseas doctors for the Royal College of Anesthetists. We have got panel members here, Dr. Ashish Gulf, who is a consultant in pain management and anesthetist. First, I would like to introduce uh, Dr. Gulf. Ashish, can you kindly just introduce yourself and uh, tell us a bit more about yourself? Sure. I'm Dr. Ashish Gulway. I'm one of the pain consultants at James Cook University Hospital in Middlesbrough. I'm part of the MTI leadership team for the Royal Faculty of Pain Medicine at Royal College of Anesthetists. I also got some national roles where I'm president of the Neuromodulation Society of UK and Ireland and a treasurer of the British Pain Society. Today, we're going to explore the value that international medical graduates bring to our healthcare system in the UK and how the experience and skills gained in the NHS by these individuals may help healthcare systems globally. To discuss this subject, we have Dr. Prakash Chaudhary. Dr. Chaudhary is a doctor from India undertaking a placement in the NHS through the Royal College of Anesthetists Medical Training Initiative Scheme. This scheme, also called as MTI, which is a short form, allows the doctors from low and middle income countries to pursue specialist training in the UK for up to 24 months before returning to their home countries. Welcome, Prakash. Thank you for having me. Can you kindly tell us a little bit more about yourself, uh, where you are currently? So currently I'm working as an MTI trainee into my third year now uh, because of the extension that all the MTI trainees got. So uh, currently in Milton Keynes University Hospital as third year MTI trainee, uh, working as a registrar ST3 plus level in both intensive care and anesthesia. And uh, yes, that is about my current placement in a nutshell. Uh, Prakash, thank you very much. You mentioned about that your training program extended to the third year, uh, which was during the COVID that was uh, given to all the MTI trainees because uh, because of COVID, uh, the MTI trainees, they were not getting much hands-on exposure, including all the trainees. So the UK Royal College of Anesthetists along with UK Border Agency decided to extend the year of MTI training for three years for, a, for this, just for this period. So that allowed the MTI trainees to achieve the competences which uh, they were expected to attain during this uh, training program. So, but going forward, the training scheme is uh, and will stay for two years. And where you were before you joined uh, your MTI post, uh, which country, which city? Yeah, so I originally come from uh, India, New Delhi, uh, the capital. And uh, I had done my graduation and post-graduation about a decade back. And then I was working as a consultant after a short stay in uh, All India Institute of Medical Sciences, which is the premier medical institution in India. And uh, after that, I was working as a consultant, for, I think, for about seven, eight years before I decided to come over here. That's lovely. Lovely to know a little bit background. And uh, it must be a lovely city. Would probably like to go and see there. I think Ashish, uh, you are also, I think you are from India as well, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I'm from Mumbai, so, but I left Mumbai now long, long time ago, more than 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Prakash, uh, uh, just actually 
can you just share your sort of really uh, idea? Why did you decide to come over as an MTI? And uh, what was the kind of push? How did you come to know about it? So uh, I think, uh, to be honest, if I can divide the reasons, it will be academic uh, to an extent and non-academic as well. So the academic part, I think the main reasons were uh, to learn something new. I mean, I was working in the same hospital for almost seven years and uh, I, I needed something else. And the, 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 the owner of the hospital said that we will not allow you to join any other hospital in India. I cannot let you go. So if you want to leave my place, go to some other country. So that, that is what he said. And uh, then uh, I, I said I had to learn something new and uh, I, I actually wanted to uh, go to a place to learn something new, which uh, which what, which wouldn't have been very difficult. So I, I, I looked at all the options available, uh, US, UK, Canada, uh, Australia as well. And, and then this MTI post, which was, I think, uh, a very good uh, uh, short term training program, which was developed by UK. Uh, the MTI program was uh, kind of running very nicely. I had a few friends over here who were already recruited as MTI trainees, and and they said that uh, you need to just clear your English exam and after that start applying. So I cleared the exam in one go, and after that I started applying. And it, it, it didn't take a lot of time. So I, I would say number one um, to kind of uh, gain some new experience in a developed country, and this was the path of least resistance, if I can put it that way. Uh, simple enough without having to go through any academic exams. And um, these the, these were the main reasons. And and non-academic, well, I, my entire life I've been in India. I haven't have never seen a foreign country, a foreign culture. So I, I just wanted to see something uh, new as well, uh, to visit a new country, see some new cities, um, and and meet new people with, with a new culture, and 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 then go back after after the completion of two years. So everything was fine. Two years seemed just like the right time, and uh, now because of COVID, we are into the third year. So I'm not complaining. Excellent, Prakash. So Prakash, what did you know about NHS or National Health Service in the UK before you actually came in this country? Did you have yes. much information about it? So yes, so so one thing I knew was the full form National Health Service, and and the other other things I knew was that 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 this basically applied to all the four countries which are part of the United Kingdom. So so most of the MTI trainees, and my at least in my circle who come from uh, India, actually went to these various cities in England. Very rarely did they go to other parts like Scotland, Northern Ireland, and Wales. Uh, so that was the idea. And, and the second thing uh, that that my uh, friends suggested that uh, the the payment in NHS is, is might not be as great as uh, say a country like US or Australia, but the work life balance is very good. So these were the main two things I was aware of. That uh, I, I probably would be getting a more relaxed life than I had in India, which which was again uh, one of the reasons why I came over here. Uh, to get a good work-life balance, that I could explore uh, things uh, during my free time. So the, the, this this is what the basic information I had, and and obviously that was free as well. It was uh, accessible to everyone uh, without without paying uh, anything, which which I think is one of the best parts about NHS that it's freely accessible to everyone. Uh, Prakash, just want to know when you obviously started the process of coming over to UK. You, can you sort of share your experience? I mean, were there any hurdles specifically you faced when you started your process when you were back in India? Yes, yeah, so I, I, I think the paperwork is very exhaustive. I'll be very honest with you. I mean, uh, the, the exam, clearing the English exam is fine. I mean, but after that, when the paperwork starts, it's, it's a lot. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I don't remember going through so much of paperwork ever in my life. If really? I remember, yeah, it, it has been a long time now. So I I started my paperwork in 2018. I think it was around Diwali, the month of November. 
and it took me about 5 months to kind of uh, get get everything in order so so applying to the authorities in us to make to, to verify your credentials I, I, ecfmg if i'm if i'm not mistaken epic epic verification so a lot of lot of uh, paperwork and verification of your credentials getting uh, kind of things signed off from your previous employers as well and uh, I, I had to go back to my medical colleges in order to get back the relevant papers which are missing from my files getting even the internship certificate so uh, the, the things that I had completed about 10 15 years back I had to revisit those places in order to get uh, the documents that were missing so I, I thought that was very exhaustive very tiring and uh, although it, it is obviously a legal requirement by the Royal College and by the GMC as well uh, but if 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 something can be done about it, I think that would be great. And you people are obviously in the best place to do it. So that that was the only thing. Sure. Yeah, we'll obviously pass those messages to relevant authorities, and hopefully they will take notice. So when you landed in UK, how did you find immediately? Kind of really, yes, you are in a new country, new place. What challenges you faced in the first sort of month or two? So it was very challenging. I mean, uh, a, a big cultural difference, a big, a big shock uh, on 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 every front. I mean, I I, I was a foodie. I, I used to watch a lot of television at home, IPL, etc., all the cricket matches. And and coming over here, uh, settling down into the hospital accommodation without a television, and without uh, access to friends, without access to food, Indian food, was was a big challenge. So so these were the non-academic things I was really struggling with. And then the academic part, I mean, a lot of uh, changes in terms of the structure, the hierarchy. And uh, what, what I noticed over here in the initial few days was that every every person was calling the other person by their first name and not addressing them as doctor followed by the surname. So when I, when I actually looked at uh, the trainees, F5s and F5s calling the most senior trainees, calling, calling the most senior consultants by their first name, that was a big cultural shock. So I said, I, how can you That's do right, that? Yeah. Yes, how can you do that? Sure. So and 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 after that, uh, I, I attended these uh, lectures, uh, the the welcome to GMC sessions by GMC, and then there was this wonderful RCOA MTI meet in Manchester in 2019. So so gradually, uh, in due course of time, I understood the flattened hierarchy and 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 the things that are different over here as compared to my home country. So so big cultural shock, a big difference in terms of terminology as well. Uh, in, in India, we have a we have a training program just that runs over three years: first year residency, third year residency, and that's the end of it. Over here, it's it's very complicated. I think uh, in, internship is known as I think FY1, FY2, and then you basically have to pick up uh, a stream like an ACCS. After that, you can enter into ED or anesthesia or acute medicine, and then again you give an exam ST3 level, and then that that runs up to ST7, and after some time you might. And there are things like dual uh, training as well, where you combine ICM with anesthesia. So, so a lot of differences and um, uh, a lot of lot of challenges as well. And and communication, I think, was another thing because uh, although my English was very good right from the start, but but the accent part was slightly uh, different, uh, slightly difficult uh, to grasp. And uh, I, I remember on our very first day when I entered into the hospital, we we had this who huddle just before the first anesthesia case, and then everyone introduced themselves and uh, they they were just looking at me. And, and and I was thinking, what am I supposed? What am I supposed to say now? So, yes. So I was just supposed to introduce myself. So yeah. That's right. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, accent, lot... accent wise, to be honest, I mean, if I travel to a different part of the country here in UK, uh, I, I mean, I would struggle, and probably most of us. I mean, the accent does change every sort of uh, 10, 15, 20 miles, something like that. So, 
I can see Ashish is sort of uh, ready for another question. Let's see what he has yeah. to ask. So that, that's a great insight, Prakash. Uh, thank you for that. Accents is a big issue, Miss. We I struggled. You know, I I I was in north of England and I didn't understand a single word of the northern our it's called the Geordie accent. And it was oh. very challenging for me to <laughs> understand that. Even though before I moved to North, I was in UK for three years. The accent in South was completely different than the uh, northern Newcastle accent. So Prakash, uh, you were obviously very experienced before you came to UK as an MTI doctor. Uh, and do you think that there were some protocol practices that you brought in with you which were helpful to the hospital that you were working? And vice versa, have you picked up things in, in your almost three years now from Milton Keynes, which you think would be beneficial when you go back to improve quality of care back home. Yeah, so so I'll, I'll start uh, by the things that I have learned over here uh, in my particular hospital, the things uh, that I think have uh, kind of uh, basically given me new insights how to manage anesthesia and things around uh, patient care. So I, I think the most important thing uh, would be communication. I mean, uh, at every level, we communicate uh, very freely, very nicely with everyone involved, whether it's the ODPs, the surgeons, the uh, theater staff team before the start of a case in the form of a who huddle. Uh, because I remember distinctly in India, especially for emergency cases, we just used to see the patient, rush the patient in the theaters and start the case without actually having a formal meet uh, with every member of the team involved uh, before we used to start the case. So that that is one very good thing I think I would like to take back. Uh, again, uh, second thing probably would be checklists. So I don't remember kind of having such a huge uh, list of uh, checks uh, back home in India before doing procedures like uh, say a central line or before uh, do it, doing a difficult intubation, uh, doing an intubation in emergency or ICU and then signing out at the end as well. And, and another thing I would like to add is the structured algorithm. So you know when you're encountering a difficult area, what are the steps you have to follow, which is uniform across all the trusts in the form of difficult area society guidelines. So if you, if you can have uh, such kind of a paper in front of you, for example, a book like QRH, a quick reference handbook, uh, that, that would be very, very helpful for everyone involved. And that would that would actually kind of uh, initiate uh, a uniformity of care and, and will make it simple for uh, anyone coming new to the system as well. So rather, rather than having your own individual uh, policies, your own individual plans and algorithms for managing a difficult situation, if you have one uniform plan, I think that's that's very safe and beneficial for everyone involved. So the, these are the few things I think, uh, there's a long list, but I think these are probably the most important, the clinical side of things. Uh, what I brought from India was, I think, my massive experience. So I, and, and th this massive experience basically translated into doing these simple things uh, in a very uncomplicated fashion. So whether it came to bag mask ventilation, ju just for an example, I mean, holding the mask correctly, uh, making sure that uh, I was able to kind of keep the airway open. And then I used to look at the trainees and for even simple airways, th that's my opinion, they used to resort to oropharyngeal airway and NPA very, very quickly. Whereas kind of just having a tight grip on uh, the jaw and giving a good jaw thrust would have kind of solved the problem without um, using these uh, devices. And, and the same goes for uh, laryngoscopy as well. I mean, uh, even for uh, seemingly slightly difficult areas, it's good to have uh, your backup plan ready. 
but I think just using a conventional laryngoscope for intubation, maybe introducing a bit of burp, keeping a bougie standby, solves most of the problems than having complicated devices. So that is what I think, and, and that is what I encourage as well to the juniors. Not, not using ultrasound for difficult cannulations when you got calls from uh, when you get calls from the wards. I mean, it's, it's just a matter of time, patience, keep the tourniquet on, ask someone to kind of uh, hold the wrist, and and the veins they do come up. So do in in, in a nutshell, doing simple things, uh, doing uncomplicated things, uh, straight in a, in a straightforward fashion, without straightforward fashion, without resorting to fancy equipments, is what I think I got from uh, my country. Excellent, and I can certainly correlate to the era. <laughs> extremely well. Uh, you know, uh, in my time, we used to do two-hour case on the mask. You know, my course yes, absolutely. Is strong before absolutely. I came to this country. You know, yes, absolutely. After you. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It is interesting. I mean, obviously, uh, when you have worked in a different system and then, particularly at senior position, uh, then coming and obviously working in a relatively junior. Uh, position mm -hmm. it is challenging and uh, uh, well done you have obviously coped very well uh, akash I, I would just li like to know i mean have have you established any partnerships here in uk where obviously when you go back to india where which you can rely upon kind of really any uh, groups or anything so 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 that was one factor that was always in my mind that i should kind of finish this training or go back and then get in touch with people over here and uh, probably kind of work on a partnership. But e e having said that, I am really short on ideas about what kind of partnerships I can actually build. So probably you mm. you people can answer that question on my behalf uh, about the ideas that uh, uh, you, you think are the potential areas in which MTI trainees can go back and then collaborate with uh, people mm. over here. I think we were looking at more like really uh, you being ambassador of MTI there in, in India. Okay. Back back home and obviously introduce uh, this program to your co uh, younger colleagues and hopefully they can come and sort of take something from here and vice versa. I mean, we kind of uh, can learn from your experience as you mentioned earlier on. There are a lot to learn from each other, really. Uh, while we are kind of really on, uh, just wanted to ask. I mean, if you are obviously you are working with other uh, MTI colleagues as well here in UK uh, in your hospital. Dave and obviously Royal College organized the new to NHS uh, day. Have you managed to get any kind of uh, collaboration with your MTI colleagues? And uh, if you have to give any message to the MTI doctors here that how they can maximize on their stay while they're in UK, what will you tell them? Yes, so uh, so the first part of the question, uh, how, getting being in touch with other MTI trainees. So we have a WhatsApp group uh, which which we built in 2019, and uh, after that Manchester meet uh, in September, I think it. Was. I remember that. Yes, I, I remember you as well. <laughs> so yes, right, right, so right. so Good. so yes, so that WhatsApp group started with uh, ten people. So there were ten of us, I think, and all of them consented to being a part of that group. And now I think it's more than 120 now on that group now. Wow. So yeah, yeah. So there has been a 12-fold increase in the last two years. That's so, and 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 people obviously the whenever a new member joins, if he or she is kind of known to someone who is in that group already, he just passes a message on to kind of add that person to the group. We add the person and the the family grows. So all the all the problems that we have, all the problems that we share, simple problems which could be academic, non-academic, personal, we share on that group. And we try to solve each other's problems. So that that I think is a very good forum for uh, making sure that all of us are uh, kind of 
happy. All of us are uh, progressing well in our tenures and uh, in, in our uh, ambition over here to get maximum out of the MTI training and uh, helping each other out. Uh, sec second part of the question regarding uh, the message I would like to kind of pass on to the MTI trainees was that is that uh, the, the first three months, four months are, are very challenging. I mean, when you come to this country, it's it's a shock. It's a complete shock. The, the only saving grace I had was that I came during summer. So at least the weather was good. So but I, I, I remember uh, my, my MTI trainees coming in, uh, my, my colleagues coming in December, January basically had nothing to cheer about so uh, yeah the first three months four months will be very difficult uh, both academic non-academic you leave your family behind there is a big emotional gap a big emotional lacuna which which i think does not get filled over here uh, in, in spite of how extrovert you are even if you're very social you were very social when you're back home you will you will struggle to find uh, new friends new company in the initial few months and uh, I, I don't know whether that's a part of the culture over here or uh, it's just that someone who's coming from outside is probably not kind of uh, welcomed that much if I can use that one in the first uh, few weeks. But but I, I felt I felt that uh, gap. I felt that uh, thing was lacking. So so first three months, four months, very challenging, academic, non-academic. But after that, uh, it's, it's then uh, basically you will start enjoying whether it is kind of uh, uh, enjoying the new things, learning new things at work, uh, interacting with other people from all across the world. It's not about uh, the Britishers. I think one of the very good parts about NHS is it's it's actually a very good melting pot of different cultures. So you have people coming from Europe. You have people. I have a junior trainee from Canada. So 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 many uh, people from across the world. You meet so many people, learn so many things learn new things at work and then you start exploring the country as well because as i said one of the best uh, things about nhs is the work-life balance so so many off days you get and uh, during those off days you can uh, visit various parts of uk with, with the one visa that you get when you come over here you can visit countries like scotland wales and northern ireland as well so that that is a big boon i mean where where, where can one visa give you access to four countries so yeah, very, very good. So so I'm, I'm glad that I'm currently into my sure. third year now in, in spite of COVID. I mean, I've been able to see a lot of places. So a few yeah. still still places left in my uh, tick box territory, which I will tick off before I go back. So sure, sure. <laughs> so, right. I'll, I'll be keen to know. I mean, uh, do you have any trainees in your MTI group, uh, WhatsApp group from mm -hmm. who have left UK by now? They're still part of the group, yeah? I, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I can find so, that out, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, in ideal scenario, I think uh, if if someone has gone back, should exit the group. Yes, and then people have done I, that in the past. Right, right, right. I don't know what the rule set are there, but obviously whether uh, we, we can work on that, whether that will help really to keep the connection. So I don't know, but obviously whether the limit of the WhatsApp group uh, will allow that. But yeah, we, we can uh, discuss at the global partnership and see how we can improve on that. And similarly, my question would be, uh, do you sort of join the WhatsApp group right from the day you arrive or how? what is the process? No, I, I think uh, the, the moment uh, we basically get a notification or a request from someone, an existing member of the group, that this is a person who would like to join, we just add. Because uh, it would be very unfair for the person to come to UK and then join the group because you can you have so many questions even when you are in your home mm, country sure. regarding uh, the the visa part application part as, as I said the paperwork is so exhaustive and had I had I had any kind of help uh, during those uh, five months six months when I was doing my paperwork that would have been very handy 
So uh, I, I, I guess, I mean, there's no harm in adding these people to the group. Once they've got an MTI post, they have an approval from the RCUA that yes, start doing your paperwork and you're welcome over here uh, to add them to the group and solve their queries. And that is what we are doing at the moment, uh, trying to enroll them. Uh, uh, as early them. as possible, yeah. Ex yes, that's, that's the sure. Point. Thank you. So lo looks like Prakash at the moment, this WhatsApp group is administered by just the MTI trainees and it would be uh, from your suggestions, it will be useful if the global partnership can administer this group and give the details of this group to the trainee few months once they start their paperwork so that they can get good guidance on what to expect and how to move things on. Absolutely, I think that would be very kind of RCO and that is one step you can take to make sure that uh, these people, the new MTI trainees who just got a position in UK, can gain maximum out of uh, the experience we've had during our tenure when we started on, on every front. That would be very nice. Yes. Prakash, I have one question. Um, Mens, uh, when you came here, did you have plans to sit for the exams and what difference you noticed uh, in terms of preparing for the exams back home and preparing for exams here? And how was your journey uh, in getting to the exams here? So, uh, yeah, so when I came over here, it, it was very high on my priority list to clear the FRCA, but I did not know that the FRCA consisted of four steps. So mm -hmm. that is so that is one uh, I think big uh, challenge that MTIs face in their two-year tenure is to clear all the four steps. So I I, I think uh, if if someone plans to clear uh, all these stages, uh, they basically have to pass in each and every attempt. And 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 the things were kind of complicated by the COVID situation as well. So because of COVID, I, I think getting a slot uh, in in the exams became very difficult. And uh, sometimes if I'm if I'm not correct me if I'm wrong, the exams were kind of postponed as well. And the format changed as well. So it, from from a face-to-face -face exam, uh, going to a place, sitting uh, in a place with an invigilator, it became an online exam. So uh, all these things, I think, uh, were kind of uh, difficult for us as MTA trainees to grasp. And uh, that, that put me off as well, if I can use that. Because the first three, four months, you're just kind of trying to customize yourself to the place and uh, concentrating on the clinical work, because that is more important. I mean, you, you need to be safe at work. You need to be uh, proficient at work. And, and the exams probably come later, in my opinion. So, but after that, uh, when COVID struck us, I mean, uh, the plans just kind of uh, laid back. So, and, and, and how they are different from uh, exams in India. So in, 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 when, when I did my post-graduation, we just had one exam at the end of our tenure, three, three years. So a, a series of uh, question papers and one practical exam, uh, which you basically, which, which are conducted over a period of, I think, seven to 14 days with a gap of uh, one day between two theory papers. So that's, that's much more simpler, much more easier. I think you just prepare for the exam in the end, one go and uh, give these exams over a period of two weeks. And that, that that that's simpler, I think. But 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 I but I see uh, the, the the reason why FRC has been formatted in uh, that fashion, that manner, because the level at which ST three plus uh, trainees work over here is kind of markedly different at what the ST five plus trainees work. So if you have if you cleared the FRC exams all four steps, then you you are considered to be probably much more uh, responsible and uh, at le at least in terms of your theoretical knowledge and uh, all those things. So. Uh, thank you, Prakash. Uh, uh, I think, yeah, that gives a, I, I, I can imagine, I mean, two years is a bit short time. And, uh, but I suppose, I mean, even if you go back, you can always come back to clear your, uh, whatever is remaining. I think we're nearing, nearly sort of really reaching the end of our allotted time. So just before you go, 
I would like to know, I mean, any message you have got for the trust where you're working or in general for the hosts, we call them, uh, that how they can really make it easier for our MTI trainees. Yeah, so I, I think one one thing that I would really like to press upon and really like to you guys to do something about this is the emotional support. So I, I think people like me, people like us coming from at least the our part of the world, Southeast Asia, India, Pakistan are very emotional. Our, uh, they, they need a bit of support and we do everything we can for our uh, hospitals, for our trust. I remember pitching in so many times at the last minute to cover locum shit because someone had fallen sick. Even cancelling my party, even cancelling my schedules because I wanted to help the trust. So when, when you're so attached to the hospital, you basically want something in return. I mean, money money has a limit. But, but it's more about the emotional support. It's more about uh, kind of uh, looking after you when you're not at work just kind of connecting after work, having social interactions. It might be just a message, might be just a phone call, but all those things really matter, especially especially to people like us. So I think if, if something can be done in that direction, we, we, we have a WhatsApp group, an MTI WhatsApp group for support, but if something can be addressed at the local trust level, at the local hospital level, that, that would be very nice. If it, even it's just for the first uh, three months, four months, I think that that would go a long, long way in uh, making the IMGs comfortable, the MTI trainees comfortable. And, and second thing could be a structured approach to the MTI training program uh, for the first six months till the IACs and the IAOCs are achieved. So it's it's the, it's, it's about achieving these things, becoming uh, familiar with the hospital, the environment before you before you start doing on calls independently. So a structured program, how to kind of uh, settle down in the first three months, four months would be nice. I mean, I I've, I've heard in the group some MTI trainees saying that they were put on calls uh, as early as the first five weeks, six weeks, and there were trusts that kind of gave about five months, six months before they put their MTI trainees uh, on call. So I, I know the trusts have that discretion, they have that independence, but if, if the RCOA could kind of uh, make a minimum standards mandatory, make uh, minimum months of uh, training uh, or get a customization mandatory before these uh, MTI trainees are put on calls, that, that would be wonderful. Thank you very much. It was uh, nice sort of hearing from you. And thank you, Ashish, for helping. Thank you for listening to this Royal College of Anaesthetists podcast. Make sure you don't miss out on the latest episodes by clicking subscribe on your favourite podcatcher. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you give us a review. It helps others find our podcast. And finally, if you would like to access more podcasts, as well as videos, e-learning, webinars, and our program of events and courses. You can find them all online at rcoa.ac.uk forward slash education. We hope to see you again soon. Please note, all views expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and not those of the Royal College of Anaesthetists. <laughs>